There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. All you non-believers disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Welcome to another edition of NFL Friday, a podcast by WFUV Sports. I'm Will Talent, and I'm joined by Jack Warner and Evan Harkin for this preseason finale NFL Friday episode. We got uh, some a pretty good slate this week especially here in New York, the Jets and the Giants squaring off for this final preseason game. A little bit to talk about there, Aaron Rodgers' debut and a new trade acquisition for the New York Giants, which we will get into. But first, guys, how are we doing? I'm doing good, man. I mean, dude, it's one more week, William. It's one more week of preseason, dude. The last time I was on NFL Friday a few weeks ago. Um, in fact, it was really the first episode of the summer. I mentioned how even back then I felt like it was almost that Christmas approaching type, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nostalgic kind of euphoric yeah. feeling because, you know, preseason finally hit. We at least had some some football to watch on TV. But even still, I kind of discounted it a little bit. It was like, it's it's not the starters. Give, give me week one. I know, I know preseason is important, but give me week one and we're now a few weeks closer. We got one more week of preseason, so I'm really, I'm really excited. Yeah, same here. I'm super excited for that first week. Uh, one week is definitely the the big number, but I'm also excited for that Jets Giants preseason game. I mean, that's no, that's no normal preseason game. There's some competition going on there. So overall, doing well. Excited that we're here in football season on the doorstep. Good, good, good. Yeah, lots to uh, a little bit to talk about with that game. There's a little bit going on, especially with the two teams facing off on week eight. That's like, I think it's October 29th, if I remember correctly. So maybe a little bit more to look into for this game, especially with the regular season game as a matchup. But who knows? It's always a pretty fun game when those two score off against each other in the preseason. But we get a little bit more of that this year. Now, starting with one of those teams, the New York Giants, they weren't quite done making moves for their week one roster and they got themselves a pickup they got themselves a pickup isaiah simmons traded from the cardinals to the giants in exchange for just a seventh round pick in my eyes quite the steal they got quite the linebacker kind of used as a safety at times in arizona did not get his fifth year option picked up by the cardinals and he will be an unrestricted free agent at season's end he was the 2028th overall pick Now, the Giants, they had the fourth overall pick in that draft, and they took Andrew Thomas. But Simmons was a guy that was looked at in many mocks just before the draft, especially as a guy that could go in that number four spot. And as we know with Andrew Thomas, he just got himself a pretty big contract. 
referred to as one of the better linemen in football now. So the Giants, they got their guy and extended him and then got a guy that was projected to go to him for a very cheap price of a seventh round pick. Now in 2022, last year, he played all 17 games, 68 solo tackles. He had four sacks, two forced fumbles and two picks. And as I said, he was used as a linebacker and a safety. But to me, guys, I think that was the main problem here. Two drastically different positions. Simmons has the build for both, but he plays more like a linebacker. And the Cardinals, in my opinion, did not let him succeed the way that he could have out of Clemson because he was playing around on the field in positions that he was not totally equipped for. So now the Giants, they have a pretty good secondary. They don't really need him to go do that. So with Wink Martindale returning, he has a project on his hands, and it's going to be a fun one, really making Isaiah Simmons the linebacker that he was projected to be. So, Evan, I'll start with you first, man. How are we feeling this is going to impact this Giants defense, which is pretty stacked with some pretty solid names to open the season with? Yeah, I think I think it'll be a big impact, but the great part about it is even if it's not a big impact, you gave up a seventh-round pick. Like, that's that's amazing. A seventh-round pick for a guy who was drafted at eight, if you told me three years ago as a Giants fan that the Giants would have gotten Isaiah Simmons and Andrew Thomas from that draft, I would have told you, you're crazy. There's no way. So this is almost like a dream come true to uh, 2020 me. But, I mean, Isaiah Simmons going into his fourth season, he's only 25. And like you said, Will, he can play almost every position defensively. I mean, it's he has 430 snaps on the D-line and 65 at corner, which is unheard of in the NFL, a guy that can rush the passer and then go cover a receiver. 6'4", 240, runs a 4'3", absolutely checks every physical box and then some. One of the most dynamic linebackers the NFL has definitely ever seen. So when I woke up and saw the trade, I was like, there's no way it was only for a seventh-round pick. Like, what else? And then I realized it was only a seventh-round pick. So I decided to go look at why is Isaiah Simmons only worth a seventh-round pick nowadays. A big reason I see the Cardinals making that trade is they really want to rebuild they don't want to pay him at the end of this season, so they're looking to stack up picks. The Giants, on the other hand, who are looking to make the playoffs in a complete different position, I think got a steal from this. Uh, he definitely struggles in coverage in the NFL so far, but like you said, Will, I think a big part of that is the workload the Cardinals put on him. I mean, telling the guy to go play safety, middle linebacker, and corner and rush the passer is a huge feat to tell a rookie, even a guy in his second or third season. So I think if the Giants can simplify his role in this Wink Martindale defense, it'll really suit Isaiah perfectly. I mean, Wink Martindale runs almost this versatile positionless defense where he wants guys that can do everything, and that's exactly who Isaiah Simmons is. Also a huge splash play guy. I mean, this is a guy who has seven forced fumbles and only 37 starts. Four picks, a pick six, can definitely go get you the football, which is something that the Giants definitely can add to this already pretty good defense. And I think he'll be in better hands in Wink's defense, you know, playing in the box more, um, the idea of Wink's defense is to confuse the O-line and send disguised blitzers, and that's exactly what Isaiah Simmons has done well in the NFL. He's really been really good at disguised blitzing, mostly because he's so fast, and I think he'll be just like a Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side, a guy who you don't know if he's coming or if he's dropping in coverage, and I think he fits perfectly into this Giants defense, and he'll find some some real success over here in New York. And on top of that, I think what's really important to remember with uh, you know, Simmons specifically, is just how malleable he is. I mean, like we said, he's been he's been tried at multiple different positions. He's shown his athleticism over time. 
And I don't think that, you know, a player like him, you know, I think part of the reason that perhaps maybe he did go for only a seventh round pick is because it almost seemed like you never, you know, he was never allowed to reach his full potential in Arizona. He was getting shuffled around in many different positions. And on top of that, one of the catalysts sort of, you know, moments before this trade occurred was a quote from, you know, Simmons telling um, right after the arrival of Jonathan Gannon telling Arizona, look, I told them that, you know, he said, I told them I didn't want to play linebacker. I felt more comfortable getting back to the things I had done in the past. That was his exact quote. So you see a guy that's been tossed around who luckily he's been had the athleticism to step up to the plate and and be able to, um, you know, at least survive while doing so. But when you look at somebody of his athleticism, I think he's going to fit incredibly well with the Giants just based off his, like I said, how malleable he is. He's been he's shown that he's willing to put up a fight at just about any position. And the other thing you got to understand is Wink Martindale has always really He's always really executed high high rates of uh, of man coverage. So Simmons, his athleticism would probably be put to very good use covering um, under Wink Martindale's sort of defensive blueprint. Yeah, I think his size, his skill set, everything, as you said, Evan, it checks out, checks all the boxes. I love the trade from the jump. I know he hasn't if so to say hasn't really lived up to the expectations of that highly touted eighth overall pick. But um, as we're pretty much getting to, he had a pretty tough situation going on in Arizona. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can do in big blue. And I'm especially, especially excited to see what he can do next to new free agent acquisition, Bobby Okereke. This is a linebacking core, in my opinion, that, hasn't looked this I, I want to say solid but I'm 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 struggling to get the word I it's not comfortable but there's something about this duo that the Giants have put together now that we haven't really seen a whole lot of where we got two playmakers now on either side for the Giants and if you look back at their past defenses we go go back to the Joe Judge days um Blake Martinez, he was the playmaker from that linebacking core and pretty much that defense that they had. And to see where they've steadily evolved, I want to touch on the work uh, that Joe Shane has done this offseason. This, to me, seems like the icing on the cake. But I think overall, Joe Shane has had quite the incredible second offseason. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's definitely came back into the works of putting a good guys in good spots. I mean, Bobby O'Karrake was one of the best linebackers in the league in Indianapolis last year. I think he was up there in the league leaders of tackles. And I think that's another reason why Isaiah Simmons fits well here. Uh, he's got a guy right next to him in Bobby O'Karrake that can pick up the slack, uh, especially in the tackling department, in the run game department, which is somewhere that Isaiah struggled with in uh, Arizona. So I, I agree. Joe Schoen has definitely been putting the right guys in the right spots. And I think it's on the Giants at this point with all these good players. They've got Waller, Okereke, uh, now Isaiah Simmons to really go out there and prove that he's done a good job by putting some wins on the record books. And on top of that, I think the other thing that's important is how well, especially this offseason specifically, he was able to sort of retain that that Giants core. I mean, 
there were, you know, just in this offseason alone, you had Jones, you had Daniel Jones, you had Dex Lawrence, you know, Andrew Thomas, Saquon, all of them, you know, being retained to, you know, this Giants roster this year. So I think it was also important that while, you know, the correct decisions were being made in, in, in you know, other parts of the roster and as well as some of these, you know, closer to the season acquisitions, it was also important during this offseason that he very impressively retained you know, the kind of guys that are, are necessary to to build around to make sure they're as, as successful that, as they can possibly be this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Jack. I think the main priority going into this offseason for the Giants was to make sure that you have Dexter Lawrence in in position to be with this team for a while. Obviously, the two headliners were Jones and Saquon, but Dexter Lawrence was on the expiring contract. They needed to do something with him, and he was the first one. And then not only did he get the other two, but then he got Andrew Thomas. So he solidified this core, did a little reworking on the deal with Leonard Williams as well. And now the only guy that seems to need his payday is Xavier McKinney and Joe Shane you know, he was pretty straight up and pretty frank about it. He was like, we just don't have anything right now. So I think McKinney's the next guy up. It's just going to need a little reworking. But this offseason, I think Joe Shane and the Giants brass really hit the nail on the head here and did what they had to do. And so much more, so much more. Not only did they do good in the offseason with Darren Waller and now Isaiah Simmons, their draft was really good too. They had a very solid draft. They brought in some really good talent for both sides of the ball to use and talent that was needed on both sides of the ball. So great work from the Giants. I I would assume that this is probably going to be the last move that they make before week one. So overall, very, very strong off season. But now let's switch gears. Let's go to the same town. We're not crossing the town because they play in New Jersey. We're going to stay in the same stadium. How about locker room? Let's just switch locker rooms. Let's talk about the Jets now for a second here. Not a whole ton of news. You know, the Dalvin Cook signing came and went. But the news that broke just a day ago, day or so, a day or two, Corey Davis, wide receiver Corey Davis, has announced his retirement from professional football at the age of 28 He was the first wide receiver taken in the 2017 draft. He went fifth overall to the Titans. He, in 78 career games, he had 273 receptions, 3,879 yards, and 17 touchdowns. Last year, just 32 receptions for 536 yards and two touchdowns. And remember, he signed a three-year, $37.5 million contract Back in 2020, following what was a career year for him in Tennessee next to A.J. Brown before they both went on their separate ways. A.J. Brown now all pro receiver with Jalen Hurts on the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. So, you know, kind of surprising. I hope Corey Davis does has the best retirement. It um it's definitely a shame. It was a weapon for the Jets to use. Obviously not the same receiver that he was with Tennessee, but still a very solid and a seasoned target for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the important word here because I, that's just um, for what the Jets have done. That's what Aaron Rodgers wants to throw to. That's the kind of player he wants to throw to. He wants to throw someone with a little bit of um, a veteran presence and also having someone to mentor Garrett Wilson. So guys, initial thoughts 
on the Corey Davis retirement? So there's, there's some ups and downs to it. I think at the end of the day, it's unfortunate because it does sort of seem like, especially from some of the statements that he made. And if you just look at, you know, his seasons over the years, health was an issue for him. Um, You know, he, he struggled with injury, even, even while on the jets. And so you never want to see obviously a player's career. If, if that is the, the reason or, you know, the driving force of the retirement, obviously, you know, you never want to see a, a good player's career, you know, have to end on those kind of terms, but I do wish him the best in retirement. He was, you know, a great, a great player had a great run during his, his brief time in the league. Now, I think with the Jets specifically, right? Like I said, health was a problem. And he was also somebody who who did struggle with with drops. Um, now he was he was a good veteran target, like you said. And I think that was the important part. And that's the biggest loss here is this retirement at you know, the the biggest impact that his retirement has is really just overall depth for the Jets. Um, because this was a receiving core that was you know, preparing for, you know, this, this, you know, it's, I know it's the elephant in the room, but, you know, we're all anxiously waiting to see, you know, how the, the Aaron Rodgers era proceeds in New York. And I think the, you know, losing one of your, your main receivers, right. As that's about to, to kick into full gear is a little bit of a kick in the gut, but at the same time, there is young talent that this retirement now opens up questions as to whether there is some younger guys who maybe weren't before projected to, to make the roster or perhaps get some looks, maybe more like a, you know, Xavier Gibson or, or someone of that, of, you know, like I said, the younger members of the jets, um, perhaps a younger player, you know, takes this opportunity and, and makes the most of it. But there's at the end of the day, they are losing a veteran presence and it is affecting their depth, but they also, you know, like I said, there's, he had, he had his ups and he had his downs. So it's not like, you know, a Randy Moss just retired from the New York Jets. Yeah. I think seasoned was a perfect word, Will, to describe Corey Davis. I mean, not a great receiver, never, never reached a thousand yards as his career never had more than five touchdowns, but a veteran, a veteran receiver who Aaron Rodgers was expecting to be there to lead younger receivers and, to be there for those uh, rare times that they would really have to use them. I think it's a weird time for a guy to retire. That was my kind of first yeah. initial thought. It was like, wow, in the middle of training camp, like right before uh, one of the preseason games, usually guys retire in the off season. So I thought maybe there would be a little bit more behind that story that we're not hearing considering the really odd timing. But besides that, it really drew me to the trend of players retiring early nowadays. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Andrew Luck, Luke Keekley. Uh, Blake Martinez, guys who are can still play football at a high level, deciding to retire just to leave the game and follow other things. And I think it's kind of cool as a fan. You know, I know Blake Martinez retired when he was the best player, defensive player on his team. He retired to go trade Pokemon cards. So it was cool to see these guys, you know, who are, we all see as only football players and who most of their adult lives has been about football. They've been dedicated to only football. It's cool to see these guys have other aspirations decide to leave football and uh, go do other things and I think it's cool that that uh, some players are kind of trending towards doing that absolutely so I'm looking at some of these wide receivers that were taken after Corey Davis just in curiosity to see 
who is pretty notable on this list. And he was actually part of a very good wide receiver class. So in that first round, it was Mike Williams, John Ross. And then that was it in the first round. And then it just, it gets a little better here. Zay Jones in Buffalo. He went 37th. Curtis Samuel went 40 to Carolina. It's also the draft that Dalvin Cook was in. Joe Mixon as well. Who was another? Kittles in this draft. Cooper Cup. Yeah, there it is. Cooper Cup. Wow. Round 69th overall. Alvin Kamara too. And who else was it? Chris Godwin. Another very good. And Kenny Galladay. And Juju. Wow. Look at that. That's a lot. That is a lot of good receivers. Wow. I did not. It just keeps it just keeps on coming. There's just a whole bunch. Wow. Really good draft here. It's very deep. But yeah, Corey Davis, as I said, first receiver taken in this how uh, what we now know as a very stacked wide receiver class overall. So wish Corey Davis the best, obviously, in retirement uh, for the Jets overall. You know, we kind of touched it. It's it's semi impactful, if you want to put it that way, with his veteran leadership, but as you were saying, Jack and noting, cause this, it was also a problem for him in Tennessee too, the drops as well. So, you know, I think the jets, they will do just fine this year. So wrapping up jets and giants preseason game, the finale this Saturday at MetLife stadium, the jets and the giants squaring off to wrap it up. Aaron Rodgers, he will make his jets debut. That, is something that is something has not played in the game yet. And here he is getting ready for week one. Um, the reason I'm lost here, guys, I'm just a little lost for something. Cause that's all I can really think of. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this game as like, okay, they do this every year. Rogers is going to play for whoever know, however long he plays, who knows, but what is the most intriguing thing about, about this game for you guys? Um, I think that, well, again, I don't want to jump on the the elephant in the room, but it really is the fact that we're seeing Rodgers' first snaps as a New York Jet. He, The other little thing I wasn't really aware of, again, I'm one of those people that kind of wishes the preseason away because, like I said, we're getting ready for regular season. But I read somewhere that this is his first preseason game since, like, 2018. That's something. Um, so that also just kind of speaks volumes. I understand that they always, you know, teams always preserve starters during the preseason because it's more about looking at the obviously younger talent on the roster and, and evaluating them. And also, you know, with the physicality of football, not risking injury, but I think that's a testament to, you know, how much of a, how much of a leader and how much, how, you know, it, it speaks to the importance that Rogers had in green Bay that like for the last three, two, three years, you didn't even take a snap in a preseason game um but what I think is going to be the most interesting here is just seeing you know how the only thing that we've really been able to see is bits and pieces from from training camp obviously which he looked good you know hard knocks and as well as you know any sort of inter inter squad sort of uh practices so I think what's going to be basically I don't think there's a better layout for Rodgers debut in the preseason because I feel like Jets Giants preseason will draw a larger crowd than the normal preseason game would and I think will mimic more regular season type environments both on the field and in just the atmosphere of the facility than a normal preseason game would and I think that's exactly what you need for someone like him because the other thing is 
as much as we want to talk about how good of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is, and I mean, you'd be an idiot not to admit how good he is. At the end of the day, the thing that not a lot of people always touch on when talking about Rodgers and the Jets is this is still a gamble. I mean, he is still an older fellow. He's been around. He has been a seasoned, seasoned, seasoned NFL veteran for most of you, me, and Evan's lives. Like, there's, there's no way around it. So just being able to kind of throw him out into a high-intensity matchup, sort of a rivalry matchup, where, you know, the two share a stadium, and the Giants are also, you know, trying to handle some last-minute decisions as to where their how their roster is going to play out heading into the regular season. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm really, really excited and and very much anticipating Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, definitely the most exciting part is going getting to see Aaron Rodgers going out there first preseason game. And uh, Adam Gase said it himself. He said, uh, we're starting the big guy this week, referring to Aaron Rodgers. And he followed up that with saying that he wants him to get a feel of competitive football in MetLife before their first home game. And then he followed that up with saying this Giants-Jets preseason game is nothing like a preseason game. Uh, he said that in the last Hard Knocks episode. And it definitely isn't. I mean, they're playing for the Snoopy Cup, which isn't a huge deal, but you get to put that you get to put that behind you if you win this game. And they definitely go out there with a little bit more competition than a normal preseason game. You want to beat your rival. Uh, I'm most excited to finally, hopefully, see good football in New York. I think this might be the first time the Jets and Giants should both be good at the same time. Right. So that is kind of exciting for the city of New York. I'm hoping for good football. I'm hoping that. We get to see a lot different Jets and Giants than we have in the past. And we get to watch this game and be like, oh, we're good at football here in New York. Both of these teams are good. We get to watch good football. And I think that'll be my my hopefully my biggest takeaway and a lot of New Yorkers takeaway is that there is two good teams in New York now and they could finally rejoice and have some happiness for that. Yeah, I don't think in our lifetime, Evan, there's been no way one good season with the two of them together. It's either one or the other. It, that's how it's always been. So I'm excited to see that too. And they're and they're good seasons. Like just it, it like it was never at the same time, and it even came down to just a matter of a season or two. You had right. you had that one sort of miraculous AFC Championship trip with with Mark Sanchez and the Jets, and then a few years later, you had the Giants winning the Super Bowl. Like it, it's like it was never. They even like just missed having good seasons the same year by like just a matter of a few seasons, and it still like never happened. But what stings even more about that is then is that when one of them was had their run, conference championship or Super Bowl, the other one was really bad. Mm-hmm. Ever like decent. They were the other one was just always so much worse. It was so I mean, bad. it's it's been most of my it's been most of my life in the Northeast where you go on StubHub and one team the tickets are really expensive one weekend and the other team, they're not expensive. I, yeah. I got tickets. I got tickets to Jags jets last season for, I think 15 bucks a pop. Wow. Yeah. It was not good. It was not pretty. That's crazy. That is crazy. I haven't heard of a price that low for an NFL ticket in a minute. Yeah. It was but regular season too. One thing that I'm really intrigued about here, guys, and obviously this is like, this is like the trailer. This is the sneak preview. The minutes, because it's the last game of the preseason, the, you know, meaningful or very, honestly, very meaningless minutes that they're going to play, where both of their starting units are on the field for that, however long of a time that is, that to me is going to be the coolest thing. 
but it's like the trailer. It's not, it's obviously not the whole thing here. You can't, Aaron Rodgers is not playing this whole game. Obviously not. Um, Saquon Barkley's not playing this whole game. Obviously not. He may not even play, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm just excited to see what starters are going to match up against what starters. I think that's a better way to put it before we get to week eight. Because think about it realistically, that's really not that far down in this season. So who knows what these two rosters look like then? That It's enough time to say that. Who knows what the rosters look like? But it's not like they're playing them way at the end. Like they put this, they put this this game right in the middle. So I, I'm I'm very excited for that. But overall, yeah, this is the Aaron Rodgers show for sure. See what he does for the Jets. But that'll wrap up our New York football talk. Jets Giants this Saturday at MetLife Stadium. Week three, the finale of the preseason. Now the finale of the preseason. We're very close, as we keep saying in this show. And it, we're now at a point where rosters are pretty much getting set for, you know, most teams. Obviously, the Giants today making a big move that's going to impact their week one roster significantly. Um, another team that's going to be in that boat is the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, he wants out. They are clearly in rebuild mode. He is, I I don't really know, for a lack of a better term, he is not a rebuild back. You want him out there right now. He would be rushing some pretty meaningful game, uh, meaningless games for the Colts. He wants out no extension between him and the Colts. Um, so he's out the door, guys. There's a few teams that come to mind initially for me. I have my team. I'll, I'll say it after you guys, but I, I want to know what you guys think the hall is going to be for the Colts and where do you realistically like Jonathan Taylor the most? Like, where is he going to exceed succeed? Where is this? Uh, is he going to get an extension from this team? Like what is the best fit for Jonathan Taylor? I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to come right back to the Colts. I don't think there's anywhere he's going to end up. That's not Indianapolis. And I think this whole thing is kind of, a ploy for the Colts, like go test the market and see how undervalued you are. You know, it sucks for running backs, but that's just how it is at this point in the league. Like that's the realistics of it. So I think the Colts are really giving Jonathan Taylor this because he's been coming to practice, you know, with his hood on, his sunglasses on, looking completely uninterested. Yeah, yeah he's doing the whole, nope. I'm not going to play for you guys, this whole thing. So he, I, I feel bad for him. He's definitely not a guy who deserves to be in a rebuilding team. He has the ability and has shown that he can be a dynamic back, but it's a bad time for him to be shopping uh, coming off his only down year. I know he's only had two seasons, but he bursted his first season and then he had a huge down down year last year. So bad time to be shopping yourself around, especially as a running back. I think he sees that other teams aren't going to even give him. I mean, the Colts have to also agree. So I think the Colts are only agreeing to maybe a second round pick at the least. I don't think they even go for the third and I don't think any team is giving a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor at this point, uh, pending on what that ankle injury is. No one even knows if that's him saying he has an ankle injury to not do to go along with his antics, or if maybe he does have a serious ankle injury. I think he ends up right back with the Colts and he sees that the running back market is just so undervalued that he can't get better value anywhere else and just plays under the franchise tag for the season. 
Yeah, and I completely agree. I think I I feel I feel more than anything I feel bad for him in this situation. Like you said, the uh, the the running back market is an absolute bear. So I think his return to the Colts is going to be one that will be. I I think it's going to be interesting to see how it how it pans out because yes, the option is on the table still for him to return to the Colts, obviously. But I just am curious to see how the environment. Um, is upon that return and the only reason i say that if the obviously if he were to return to the colts because i look at this whole contract dispute as almost more of a almost more of a standoff than anything and it's a team that's already in the midst of a rebuild and on top of that i feel like this sort of you know standoff between the two of them has been a bit of of an overshadow on the entire training camp process for the Colts on top of, you know, the preseason to this point for the Colts, he hasn't practiced since reporting for training camp. So, um, you know, along with the ongoing issues, you know, with the ankle injury. So I, I don't, I do agree with Evan that it's going to be a return to the Colts eventually, because I don't think that anyone else in the market is going to propose for him what the Colts would want in terms of a trade. I think if there was anyone to come remotely close, it would be Miami, but I still don't think that that is what the route that's going to be taken. I just feel bad for him because I do think that he is trying to go seek out who would find him most valuable, but I'm, I'm also slightly afraid for him that even with a return and a settling for his current contract that it could be an awkward return after this whole sort of standoff process. Yeah. I think it's going to be really awkward as well. I mean, you know, he's really holding out. Like I don't think he's going to sit out, but I do think he does get traded and I do think he goes to the dolphins. I think that if there's anybody that desperate right now, it's gotta be the dolphins, the way that they were pursuing backs in the off season, it, they're screaming that they are desperate for someone in that backfield. They need someone back there to complete their team. You know, two is a whole other conversation, but they have some serious weapons and running back is a position that they are seriously lacking. So if any team is to pull the trigger, um, I think it would be the dolphins. They very clearly want a big name and a steady name back there. You know, they were in on Dalvin cook they they want they want somebody back there. So I don't think it happens before the season starts. I think it's going to be during the season. I think it's going to be a pretty rocky start to the season for Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, but then eventually he will find his way. I will most I will say most likely to Miami, but who knows? We will have to wait and see to be in the now. Uh yeah, he it's going to be weird to start the season as an Indianapolis Colt especially not practicing at camp, doing the whole bit that he's doing. Um, as you were saying, Evan, the hood up and the sunglasses. So it's going to be, it's going to be weird, but it is what it is. Now, before we go here, we have another, now he's not a star player. I was just about to say star, but he's a notable name in the national football league because he was the third overall pick and the 49ers gave up a ton of draft capital to get this guy. And now he's not even their number two guy. He is behind Sam Darnold, as it was announced that Darnold will be the QB two behind Brock Purdy in San Francisco. That man is Trey Lance. I, you know, guys, 
I'm pretty confused with this situation over here. I don't really know if the what the 49ers are going to do because in today alone, there's been two different things said from Shanahan and from Lynch. I'm going to take Lynch's word more on this one. Um, and, you know, another the only one that was really clear to me was John Lynch. And John Lynch said that he is staying with us. And then Shanahan before that said he can make it with us or someone else in the future. So I look at that in a few different ways. It's like, all right, so you kind of have faith in him to make it with your system. But you also know that he can make it somewhere else. So are you like, what are we doing here? Are you going to move on from him? Because is he in the plans? I, I don't really know. I can't confidently say that Trey Lance is a part of the plans for the 49ers this year. So realistically, what do the Niners do with Trey Lance? I feel like putting Sam Darnold above Trey Lance is like their statement that Trey Lance isn't going to make it here. I feel like if they had true faith in Trey Lance that they would say he's the backup and we're going to develop him and maybe start him eventually uh, over Purdy. But it's it's overall just so weird for the 49ers. Like you said, Will, I mean, you go, you move up to draft this guy at three, you put up all this effort to get this guy, and then he just sits in your backup quarterback room spot for his whole career so far. It just seems so odd. Uh, I know he was an FCS guy. I thought – that ran through my head right away was maybe his film against other FCS competition as opposed to FBS where you see a lot of these guys playing their college days was uh, deceiving and maybe he's not as good as he seemed in college but I feel like putting Sam Darnold above him in the order of QBs over there in San Francisco is like a complete kick to the face like a complete we we really don't have hope for you here Uh, despite what they say I feel like he's got to also be a little bit down on himself seeing that he's in the QB three spot after being drafted the third overall pick. And I, I just, I just don't know what to think about this whole thing. Honestly, personally, I hope he gets traded. Um, I hope that he goes somewhere where he can thrive because I think it's a rare, I think it's a rare situation to see someone with as much uh, talent as Trey Lance and as much, um, and, and like you mentioned, Will, the amount of draft capital, I mean, my God, um, you know, it's a weird situation. And and like Evan said, I think, you know, p- putting Sam Darnold above him really, I think, is supposed to be a message on its own. I think there's other cities. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of a few that I think Trey Lance would be an asset to, that he would be better off. Um, and again, I'm not... I'm not necessarily calling shots for what the Niners should do. I'm more talking as to what I hope somebody with the projectability of Trey Lance can be offered. Um, You know, there's other, you know, there's other cities with quarterback setups that I think Trey Lance would be much more set up for success. in. I'll give you kind of a random example. Tampa Bay is announced, you know, they announced their starter is going to be Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield, this is now his, his this is his third season in a row starting a week one with a, with a different team. You know, I understand he's been good enough to stay as a starter, right? He's been good enough to stick around and, and do his part. But, you know, th- there's never been a team hopper like Fitzmagic, you know? So um, there's certain 
there's certain quarterback setups that I don't think work as well for uh, Trey Lance, but there are a few cities in which would be good landing spots for him. So I, in me personally, I hope he gets traded. A little Fitz magic. Yeah, Trey Lance to Tampa Bay. That would be pretty interesting, Jack. I kind of like that. Be an interesting project for them. The only thing I'm concerned with, and I personally, where I see him headed is kind of the Josh Rosen route now. I think the next team that he goes to, if it's really not the right fit for him, he's going to end up being a practice squad quarterback. And that's kind of unfortunate because he does – show a lot of talent but as you were saying evan do we really know what the fcs competition compared to the fbs i don't know um i think it'd be nice to see him get at least another shot so we'll see what the situation is in san francisco obviously brock purdy they're rolling with their guy he who led them on kind of a run last year and then sam darnold you know he could be a pretty solid backup going back to where he played his college days at at usc He's on the West Coast now with the 49ers. So lots to look forward to as we wrap up the preseason. And then we wait not too long. And the first week of the NFL season is upon us. We're already back just like that. The season is just a week or so away now. Really looking forward to this season. It's going to be fun as you know. we were saying before, the Jets and the Giants potentially being not just good, but pretty good in this season for the same time for the first time of our lives in on this show. Never been done before. So we'll see what, what happens with Jonathan Taylor and obviously Trey Lance. But that's going to do it for Evan Harkin and Jack Warner. I'm Will Talent, and this was NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.